Thanks, Beck. Thank you, team. You guys can take your seats. Um, you know, interesting when we're getting back in rhythm. Um, this morning, um, you know, let's we can start with midweek. We tried to fill up the baptism font, but the hot water system now doesn't work. And it's far under the stage. And Lila's very little for a lot of water. So we have a spa bath for sale after the service if... Um, Anybody, Geordie wants to take it, so we'll start the bidding after the service. We got in this morning, and then there was a lot of technical difficulties that I don't understand with the sound system, but they got that sorted as well. So we're up and running. They forgot to hit seven clicks on the Christmas tree, so it's flashing and it's killing me. That's all I see. I know you don't see that. Your eyes are closed. You're all righteous people. I'm staring at the flashing. You click it seven times and it goes sold. Someone's done it. And now I've just highlighted it all. It's great. It's in rotation. It's brilliant. It's not a distraction, but now it is. So welcome to church. Who feels good to be back? Starting to get used to it again. I'm very excited. I want to honor my mother-in-law. It's her birthday today. Can we give her a hand? You know, 41 years old, very young to accomplish what you have. Uh, retired at 41 is amazing. Um, Mum wishes, but no, let's go. We're going to jump into our Christmas series. Come, let us adore him. We're looking at Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we're looking when uh, uh, the Magi arrive and they give the gifts to Jesus. They give gold, they give frankincense, and they give myrrh. And uh, it's really quite special what we've been focusing on. We've been looking at those gifts, uh, what they uh, symbolize, and then how do we apply that to our lives. So we started with gold, and gold represents or symbolizes royalty because Jesus is king. Who agrees with that? And if Jesus is king, how does that manifest itself in your life? How are you living to serve the king? So I think that that is an incredible thought. I know that Jordan preached uh, frankincense last week. I did the same uh, in the East. And, and, and that talks about, for everybody at home, if you don't know, that talks about worship. And I think that that is absolutely incredible. But let me present to you at Christmas time, a time of joy. Who agrees? You know the song, uh, Comfort and Joy. Uh, you know, it's all about happiness. So let's read Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And then we will talk about myrrh today. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down to him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with a gift of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Christmas is about joy. Who agrees? Is Christmas about joy? Who agrees? Okay, so check out what I'm working with. So I go to my concordance. I've got a study Bible. And let me read to you. This is what it said about Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 in my study Bible. Gold symbolized royalty. Amen. Frankincense represented a fragrance and worship. Myrrh was the ointment of death. Joy to the world. The ointment of death. Christmas series, I'm winning. So I'm going to talk about that this morning, but I'm going to bring it around to something that I believe brings hope and joy in our life. The ointment of death. Can you imagine Mary? 
these guys, they come in and, and they go, hey, we, we want to worship your child and, and here is some gold. And she's like, yes, absolutely. He's a king. Absolutely. Give me the gold. We understand totally. And then they would have given him frankincense. Yes, he is the son of God. Let's worship him together. And then they would have given him merch. Should have been like, Joseph, quick, get the baby. We're keeping the gifts, but these weirdos, they've got to go. Why are they giving him the ointment of death? What's going on? It's very interesting. You see it used throughout the Old Testament uh, in different places. It's used for, uh, in, in rituals for the purification of people. It was used in the uh, anointing oil uh, that was at the tent of meetings. Uh, there were heaps of different uses. It was obviously used in, in um, perfumes. Uh, it is a gum resin that comes from a tree that has an aromatic quality, very similar to frankincense, that gives it its value. But we see three times in Scripture where myrrh and Jesus, they come together. We know in Matthew chapter 2, we see it talks uh, about myrrh at Jesus' birth. But then also what happens is we hear about it when Jesus is on the cross. And I'll quickly read you that Scripture. Uh, in Mark 15, 23, Then they offered him, being Jesus, wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, the reason why they put myrrh into wine is it actually had a narcotic-like quality, a pain-relieving-like quality. So they would mix it with the wine to strengthen the wine. So you can understand why they would be offering it to somebody who, who is crucified be, because it has that pain-relieving uh, side effect. So there's another time. And then after his death, we see that one in John 19. 39 when Nicodemus comes and what happened is it says Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys about 75 pounds because it was also used in the embalming process. So when you look at this you see that there is there is a strong association between myrrh and pain and suffering. And when they were giving it to Jesus, uh, could it be painting a picture of the fact that one day he would have to endure a painful death to redeem the world from their sins on the cross? So we know that when you look at myrrh for what it is and what it represents, it talks about suffering. The Bible talks a lot about suffering. No one will miss out on it. We will all have to endure some type of it. However, because of that, God also talks a lot about comfort and how we deal with the hard times and who we go to in the hard times. So what we want to do today is we know that suffering can't be avoided. But what we can do together is let's look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you want to go there. As we talk about the fact that we all will have to endure tough times, but God brings comfort. The scripture says he is the God of all comfort. So let's read that together. 2 Corinthians 1, we're going to read 3 to 7. It says this, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. 
which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, you also share in our comfort. Father, speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Listen, it's been a long time since I've not spoke to a camera. So I expect that there will be some volume coming back because it is way nicer to see faces than a camera. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to lie. I'd be preaching in a camera and Jordan and Dave and the team, they weren't paying attention to me either. And uh, I don't know if you noticed that halfway through the, the preachers, these, I used to just interrupt it and used to be like, the lads are talking while I'm preaching. But now I want you to talk. I want you to participate in as we come around the word. Is that okay? Amen. Okay, we're going to look at this. It says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Comfort. Paul, we know he goes through journeys of suffering. We've seen it. He writes about it later. There are many things that he has to endure, but yet he has a perspective that God is a God of comfort. So in our cultural understanding of comfort, to me, it would, it would mean to be not uncomfortable. So that would be, I am, there's nothing that's really annoying me. I'm completely without pain. I'm, I'm great. I feel good. That's what it would mean to me to be comfortable. A cuddle, a nice pillow, um, that kind of thing. Who agrees? That, that's what comfort would, you would go, that's what, to be comfortable. But that is not what it means in the original languages. I hear my own preach. Thanks, Marie. That's all right. You, you moderate that YouTube channel. You do it. Our family at home, that was Marie checking in on you. So the original word. I want to look at the word comfort because what it did for me is it began to paint a different picture. When we face suffering and the God of all comfort comforts you, what does that actually look like when it comes to our relationship and our journey through hard times? Well, the original word in it is called uh, paraklesis. Now, uh, Greg dropped a wisdom bomb on me uh, just before the preach that if I had had earlier on in the week would have been phenomenal. But we're going to look at it in a few different uh, places. In Acts 9.31, it says this, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and, this is the same word for comfort, encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. Romans 15.5, May the God who gives you endurance and, the same word here, encouragement, Give you the same attitude of mind towards each other in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture. And isn't this one interesting? Preaching is the word. Same word. And to teaching. Preaching meaning an exhortation to, to, to inspire you and encourage you and push you forward to move on. So when you look at uh, the, the word in the original language and, and the groups at which it comes from, to comfort, the God of all comfort actually means to console, to encourage, to strengthen, and to teach. It's more than just a cuddle. I started thinking about that when you're going through suffering, you, you want to cuddle, and you think that, is that going to make everything all right? Is that what God does in my life for my troubles? Is that what the Scripture was telling me, that when I go through those hard times, God comes and makes it all better and takes it all away to make me comfortable? 
That's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says that when, when we come and we're in a battle and we're in suffering, it's not that God comes and makes it comfortable. It's that He comes and He strengthens you and He encourages you and He challenges you. I got the picture of when we're in suffering and we're in a battle, it's not that God removes it. He strengthens you. It's like you're in a boxing match and the bell's gone and you've returned to the corner. And now God is trying to refresh you. He's giving you a drink. He's giving you instructions to a place where you can become refreshed to re-enter the fight. God does not remove the struggle. He strengthens you to overcome it. This is the comfort that He brings. Comfort is not what you think. God won't remove the, the sufferings and the challenges that we have to face in a fallen world, but He can strengthen you. He is the God of all comfort, but that comfort is to inspire you to go forward, is to strengthen you, is to encourage you so that you overcome the challenges. He is the God of all comfort. And He's done that in my life. I hope He's done that in yours. But as the Scripture goes on, after we know that, wow, it's God that encourages me, He consoles me, He strengthens me, He gives me instruction and teaching so that I'm strengthened and refreshed to continue to battle. It says there in the Scripture that it goes on, that who comforts us in all our troubles, listen to this, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So when you face a trial, God strengthens you. You overcome that trial and now you have an opportunity to strengthen others. This scripture tells me that God wants to bring comfort to people's lives this Christmas, but He's giving that assignment to you. He's giving that assignment to you. You're going to go to a Christmas party and there might be a family member that is distraught and has been through pain. And we know that there's going to be a lot of that emerging out of this season. And the Scripture says, you've been through the suffering. You, you, Paul is saying, I've been through hard times, but God has refreshed me. He's empowered me. He's encouraged me. He's strengthened me. And now He's given me the assignment to pour that into your life. Is there a work Christmas party that's coming that God has given you the assignment to bring comfort to somebody? Is it a family member? Is it a neighbor? There are so many people in our society that are looking for, for comfort but actually need strengthening. And God is giving you that assignment. Do you know, there, there is a guy that I grew up with uh, he's been around since I was 12 and he, his name's Josh and he is constantly, constantly encouraging me. But you know the ones that sink in the most is the one where if I'm struggling with a situation that he's already been through, I feel like, wow, if you've done it and you've got through and you've got perspective and it's been hard for you but you got through, I now gain strength from your experience. He, I am getting comfort from the fact that he's gone through it. God's comforted him, and now I am getting faith from the experience he's had. God won't remove the suffering. The Bible says very clearly we're going to have trials and troubles in this world. But that does not mean that you will be without his strength. 
his supernatural power at work in your life. And then you put that to work for kingdom to encourage others. This is a great season to feel sorry for yourself. It is. We've missed out on a lot of stuff. You know, this week, Kiara graduated from grade six and, and we were not able to attend. And I was pretty salty. I'm not going to lie. Pretty salty. But I'm still grateful. My daughter's moving forward. She's growing stronger. I need to have that thing where I go, Father, would you, would you help me? Because what I'm learning from this scripture is that when you lose, you actually win. Because it says this, it says this in the scripture, if we are distressed, if we're in pain, if we're, we're going backwards, man, this is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm distressed right now. I'm feeling like, God, I need you to move. It is for your comfort and salvation. I'm like, Father, how does that work in our situation? How does that work for me? Well, if I'm distressed, and we've all been there in that season, I've gone to prayer. And if any situation grows me closer to Jesus, guess what? It makes me more usable. So when you lose, you're actually winning. If I'm getting distressed, it means that I'm going to fall on my knees. I'm going to seek the King of Kings. I'm going to go after Him. And if I get to the place where I'm growing closer to Jesus, guess what? I'm going to be more usable. So when I am distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation because in my distress, God is strengthening me and the purpose of strengthening me is produced before. It's for the comfort of others. God can use me. And I think that that is so powerful in this season. And I'll get you to come and join me. And finally, it talks about in the Scripture. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance in the same suffering we suffer. Patient endurance. And as you begin to look at the picture that Paul paints, my initial thought as I read this and tried to pull out observations is that that patience was kind of a passive thing. Like I'm sitting there and I'm patiently waiting for this suffering to come and go. Patient endurance. When you begin to look deeper into what Paul is saying, in the context that the comfort is to strengthen and to encourage. It's, it's not a patient endurance that's submissive, but rather it's like a marathon runner. He constantly says that it's in the pain you're able to endure in something that you overcome. So it's not that you're waiting for it to be over. It's that you will endure through it and overcome it by the power of God at work in your life. Mer reminds us that there will be suffering in this world that reminds us that Jesus suffered on the cross for our freedom and our salvation. But we know that in suffering in this world, God comforts us by strengthening and teaching. We're to use it for others. Suffering makes us more usable. 
and it builds endurance. As I prayed and I pondered and I asked the Lord, I, I felt Him say, strengthened to strengthen others. Strengthened to strengthen others. In this season, I, I pray that the mantle of our church would be that we would strengthen others. Can you enter situations this Christmas and be faithful and be full of faith? Walk in and go, yeah, it looks bleak. Yeah, we don't know what the future holds. Yeah, we're not sure what's going to happen. There's different variants. There's different things. But I'm in faith because God has brought me this far. And he, didn't, he has strengthened me to keep going. Strengthened to strengthen others. But can we be transparent? Who's gone from zero in lockdown to 150 overnight? Give me a wave. It's like all of a sudden, there's work dues everywhere. There's catch-ups everywhere. There's more pressure than there was before. The capacity is a little bit lower. We're worried about next year. We need to be strengthened to strengthen others. With the comfort you have received, use that to comfort others. We need to be strengthened today. I'm going to invite the team to come back. And we'll sing that carol. I can't remember that carol. I can't remember the name. Let's come. Come let us adore him. Maybe this name of the series. Yeah. Strengthen to strengthen others. Mark, can't you bring the lights down for a moment? Can we all stand for a moment? Those that are able to do so. We need to be strengthened to be consistent in the faith, strengthened to have the right priorities, strengthened to have the right influence, strengthened to love and support people. But clearly, we comfort those with the comfort we have received ourselves. Who needs the strength of God today to come upon them? The comfort of God to come upon them. There are people everywhere across this room that need God to move in this moment today to strengthen you for this season. We will run after God. We will continue to reach out to people. You will continue to be an influence in your world, but you need the comfort that comes from God in suffering. The comfort that comes from God in distress. There are people that need God's strength for relationships. There are people that need God's strength for chronic health issues that then lower emotional capacities. There are people that need strength just to overcome the anxieties of getting going again. There are people that just need strength because their family is annoying. There are many people that need strength. Not my family, they're here today, they're amazing. I don't need no strength, I'm good, you strengthen me. So, so that we can strengthen others. Talisha. That's good work, Jordan. Who needs the strength of God? Why don't you raise your hands right now? Let's have a strengthening moment right now. If you need God to move, strengthening you, Father, the comfort that you bring, 
Lord God, right now is not just a comfort that removes the struggle, but rather a comfort that increases the capacity, strengthens the person, teaches and exhorts and preaches to. So that, Father, we are, we are when we hear the word comfort, Father, let us be reminded that it is, it is about being strengthened and refreshed by your goodness to be used. So Father, right now, every person I command by the authority of the name of Jesus, Father, to receive refreshing from you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, Father, we thank you that your word says that you are the comforter, Father, the comforter. And when we look at that word group, Father, you're bringing strength. You're bringing new conviction. You're bringing, Father, power into lives of those that believe you, Lord God, to be an influence. So I want to encourage every person right now, I'm going to begin to pray for you and then a moment sing. I want you to begin to say, strengthen me, Father. Strengthen me, Father. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen me? Holy Spirit, would you bring comfort? If you want to speak in tongues, do so. But I need you to lift your voice right now. If you need strength from the Lord, Father, right now, I thank you that, Lord God, there is new opportunity coming to bring comfort into the lives of people. Father, I thank you that from receiving from you, we are able to pour out into the lives of others. So, Father, we thank you for those opportunities. But right now, Lord, we need you to strengthen your people. And, Father, we want to do that in your presence. So as we sing this song in our final moments, Father, I pray that let these words, as we want to adore you, we want to worship you, Father, because you are Lord. I pray that as you do that, Lord, I ask that as we worship you with our hearts open, you, you begin to strengthen, bring faith, new anointing, new refreshing in Jesus.